there are commuters that need help desperately, and we're counting on you to use some of the money that you get from our donors wisely. I'm Kevin Christopher Robles. Today, Aidan Donaghy breaks down the Environmental Club's recent camping initiative. Then, Brandon Sapienza provides his appeal to the university to provide commuters with metro cards. Finally, Haley Smullen talks about why Vine is such a cultural phenomenon among college students. This is Retrospect, the official podcast of the Fordham Observer. I'm joined now by Aidan Donaghy, Secretary of LC's Environmental Club. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. So, Aidan, we're going to talk a little bit about the camping trip that Environmental Club went on a few weeks ago. It was so much fun. It went so well. Tell me, how did you get this camping trip set up? So, um, even before I joined the Environmental Club, there had been, you know, talks of starting like a yearly Environmental Club camping trip, but nothing had ever really materialized. But over the summer, we got an email from Dr. Dorothy Wenzel, who is the uh, Director of Student Involvement here at Lincoln Center, and she expressed interest in getting this camping trip started back up. Uh, she herself goes camping often with her family. I just thought that sounded like such a great idea. I was so down for it. We replied to her, and we basically started this planning process starting in July, I think it was, um, but it ended up being a lot of fun and really rewarding. So where did you guys end up going? So we went to North South Lake. Uh, I I call it upstate. I don't know if it's technically upstate, but it's like in between Poughkeepsie and Albany. What was the area like? Oh my God, it was so beautiful. It was in the Catskills, um, which I had never been to before. But man, the, the landscape was absolutely beautiful. The campgrounds were lovely. It was located on these two lakes. I we It couldn't have been better. The weather was perfect. Uh, there were mountains. There were... The forests were pristine, really awesome. Tell us exactly how the camping trip went. Basically, after the, oh my gosh, 10-week planning process for the trip, we uh, basically reserved a bunch of Ram vans. We actually ended up getting three Ram vans and a Ram van SUV uh, from their office, and we uh, basically piled all our stuff in it, drove two hours north on uh, Friday of the weekend that we went. I think it was September 20th was the date. And we arrived at the campsite that evening. We stayed for two nights, had a lot of fun. Um, we had hiking, we had kayaking, couldn't have gone better. How many people went? Uh, there were 24 of us total. So that was uh, three Environmental Club eboard members. I was accompanied by um, Brittany Yu, our president, and Kylie Ford, our outreach coordinator. And then Dr. Wenzel also went with us. That's actually quite a lot of people. Yeah, we were... One, one of the big uh, concerns with planning the trip uh, that Dr. Wenzel and, I were, Wenzel and I were sharing, we were like, oh my gosh, well, this is all tentative, you know, we'll plan to do this, this, and that, but uh, if people don't sign up, that's okay. But man, so many people signed up. We ended up having a wait list, actually, which um, we, we were so delighted that so many people were interested and that so many people actually ended up coming with us. It was really great. What was it like managing that many people? Frankly, it wasn't that hard. You know, we're all adults. It was it was fine. We tried to think of as many, you know, pre-problems as we could. We we had some, you know, we had all our information and everything on hand. Everyone had copies of all of, like, the lists of people. But it was pretty easy to decide, you know, who was going where at what time. It really wasn't that much of a problem. So you stayed for two nights? Yeah, two nights. It was a Friday and Saturday night, left on Sunday morning. What was it like spending the night out in the wilderness? Um... <laughs> 
Well, we were camping in tents on the forest floor, <laughs> but um, it was it was it was very fun. Uh, you know, it's I mean it's not bad. It's it's quite lovely actually to spend the night outside. But um, it was extremely cold, which was just a little bit annoying because during the day, you know, it was still mid-September. It would get, you know, up to like 75, 80 degrees. So uh, I, I packed for the cold, but I was still surprised by how cold it got at night. But um, it, was, it was really lovely. Like you could, you know, hear the sounds of the forest. It was, it was a very nice ambiance. Do you have any standout memories from the trip? Standout memories from the trip. There were so many dogs. People uh, take their dogs to that campground and they let you pet them. It was lovely. And we also visited the Catterskill waterfalls, I think, um, that are near the campground. We just hiked there. Absolutely beautiful. It's like this big overhanging cliff thing that the falls like drop down from and you can go behind the falls, climb up on the rocks. It was really great. So are you planning on making the camping trip an annual thing? I hope we're able to do that. Lots of the e-board members of Environmental Club are um, seniors, but I definitely plan on uh, putting in the work next year to make this an annual thing because it was just so much fun and people seem to have such a great time. It would be such a great thing for Fordham Lincoln Center's community to have every year, you know? Considering how popular it was, do you have any plans on expanding the camping trip, maybe having two trips a year or something like that? There's no plans for that right now because of the enormous logistical considerations. And also, it, there is a significant cost. You know, Ram vans aren't cheap. You know, in the future, if there becomes more of a demand, you know, I wouldn't rule it out for future e-boards to consider, you know. So what was the process like for getting people involved with the trip? So when Dr. Wenzel and I uh, first started planning this trip, we came up with uh, Brittany and uh, Kylie and I, we all came up with like a Google form. Basically, we sent out an interest form and we were spamming our social medias just to see if people would be interested. And enough people, you know, were interested for us to start, you know, putting down deposits on campsites and, you know, talking to the Ramvan office about reservations. So we sent out um, a sign up list and we had decided to cap the signups at uh, 25 total, including the three board members and Dr. Wenzel. Uh, one person ended up having to pull out at the last uh, minute, which was why we only had 24 people. But um, basically, uh, people would just fill out their information on a Google form and uh, submit it. And we tried to make it as much of a first-come, first-serve basis as we could. But we also had to consider like who could bring some gear that they could share with other people because you know we couldn't be buying everything, you know? If people wanted to get involved with Environmental Club, what would they do? Well, you could totally swing by our weekly meetings. Um, this semester, they're happening every Thursday at 1230 in the Social Innovation Lab, which is in the 140 West Building, room 216. Um, we have discussion topics um, every week, and the meetings tend to be pretty dynamic and interesting. Um, also, this Friday, I guess next Friday, the 18th of October, we're collaborating with student involvement to put on an LC After Dark event. It'll be our garden party. It'll be very cute. We'll have pizza, we'll have uh, uh, refreshments. Uh, we're gonna put up string lights all around the garden. It'll be nice. So those are some ways you can get involved. And just generally, if you ever wanna stop by the garden and there's some produce there that looks ripe and you wanna pick it up, feel free. Do you have any final thoughts? So Environmental Club 
is always here to be both a social space and an advocative space. We're always in contact with the Department of Facilities to uh, talk about ways Fornum can be more sustainable. We're always trying to reduce our own carbon footprints by you know, using reusable stuff in any way we can. We actually have reusable um, environmental club grocery bags that are hanging in the dorm lobbies that you can take and return to the hooks uh, if you don't have some of your own bags and we encourage everyone to use those. But yeah, we're always looking for ideas and ways for you know new members to get involved. So if anyone ever has any sort of sustainability or environmental goal or interest or just wants to learn more, you know, send us an email. Uh, we're fclcenvironmental at gmail.com. Um, and you can always stop by a meeting, talk to any of the eboard members. It's a great space. I really love being part of the club. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. I'm joined now by Brandon Sapienza. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Sorry I'm a little late. Uh, train was delayed, surprisingly. Oh, I'm really? Surprisingly in the tunnel, so here I am. Let's talk a little bit about train delays and the MTA for a second. Well, how has your experience been with the MTA? Well, I know I've come on uh, previous episodes to talk about the same issue, and it's been better. The trains are actually not as delayed but it's still not good either. Uh, station quality, uh, train quality, everything's just old and decrepit and smelly and gross. So it's been better in terms of on-time performance, but everything else has just been miserable. You are a commuter, right? Yes. And so how has the commuting experience been for you? It's no different than high school when I did the exact same thing, just a couple more stops extra now. The only difference is that I don't get a student metro card, which is the topic that I discussed in my article and it's it's challenging because you have to deal with a school that's not very giving with financial aid and on top of that you're it's an extra expense to get here to even go to school so it's it's been a little bit of a burden in your article you advocate for a college metro card system can you talk about why you think that's necessary the entire not the entire but a lot of Lincoln Center is consisted of people who commute that's why this is a that's why the school is where it is and i think that for the 800 or so students that do commute they're entitled to something a little extra from the school considering that they don't have the amenities of on-campus living and they they can't wake up at 8 15 to show up at their 8 30 class they have to wake up much earlier than everyone else would that lives here and they should just get a little something for that because ultimately now it's extra money that it's out of their pocket and that they have to worry about when they graduate. Now they're down a couple thousand dollars. I think you've crunched the numbers. How much would it cost an average commuter uh, who only uses his MetroCard to go to and from school? It's about a thousand dollars, but if you go to, a, say, a job afterwards, then pretty much double that because most times commuters don't have jobs on campus and there are various internships around the city and so you're looking at around $2,000 for a typical student, which is alarming considering for commuters at least, and for only me that um, they only gave me a commuter grant, which doesn't add up to much, but it's, it's, a lot, it's, it's, really, it's asking a lot of a student every year financially. 
So what do you think are some ways that you can help mitigate this issue without having the school pay for the MetroCard? I really don't think, I mean, there there are some things that, that they're doing at um, CUNY's and at NYU where a portion of your paycheck gets taken out for tax purposes, but that money goes directly to funding a MetroCard. So it's, you're getting a full paycheck still, but you're not noticing where the um, the actual dollars that are being taken out are going to, which I think helps. Um, but if Fordham's not willing to do that, this school has a lot of money in its pocket. They have a very high endowment. I think I don't think there's anything unreasonable asking them to cover the cost of 800 students paying for a metro card because my high school was a thousand students. Everyone commuted because it's high school, and a high school has a significantly uh, less endowment money than Fordham would, and they paid for everything, and it was no issue. Why Fordham is doing this is, is beyond me. Do you think that it would be a practical solution for Fordham to implement that same system that CUNY has? I don't think it wouldn't be. I mean, there's really no, Fordham's not taking any loss. They're just implementing a system that could help commuters. And if Fordham is all about helping commuters, helping students, then this is a no-brainer. The point I'm just trying to get at is whatever the solution is, someone in the administration needs to hear and see what the numbers are and see the burden that it's causing on so many students and do something, just anything at this point, just to know that they're, they know and that they're willing to help. But so far, I don't feel like they're trying to help. There's also the point, I think, that one of the reasons why commuters end up commuting to school is because they don't have enough money to pay for dorms and to put an extra financial burden on them that other students, especially residents, don't have is somewhat unreasonable. How do you feel that commuters can cope with the extra financial burden? It depends on every student. For me, I transferred, and I had very good grades coming out of my old school, but Fordham just didn't want to give me financial aid. I'm lucky enough to have the decent means to cover what I need to cover, but I know some students aren't as lucky. And those students are especially the ones that we need to be looking out for because if they're coming from a home with one single income and then their minimum wage job on the side, we're looking at students that are really suffering. And that's not fair either, especially because Forum's not even getting any of the money. It's going to the city of New York, who is running a an awful transportation system that is not worth $1,000, $2,000 a year. How do you feel that students can advocate for a student metro card for college students? I think that we need to really, you know, get the message to the administration, to President McShane especially. We just need awareness for the issue. I know, you know, this could be an uh, issue could be raised in the Commuter Students Association and even non-commuters. You know, if you live here and you have a friend that's a commuter, you know, you see they're struggling, just say something, send an email, just flood someone in the administration, preferably the higher-ups like President McShane, flood them with the right emails, getting the message out that there are commuters that need help desperately, and we're counting on you to use some of the money that you get from our donors wisely. Do you have any final thoughts or things that you'd like to say to the other commuters or students on campus? Like I said, just get the word out. If you could do that and get the right people to hear your message and to hear our cries for help, then... I think we're moving in the right direction. I hope I'm around. I hope I don't graduate by the time students could really get the reward of a student metric card or whatever plans in place. But regardless, if there's some added help for commuters, then I'll be happy either way. 
Thanks for joining us, Brandon. Thanks for having me. I'm joined now by Haley Smullen. Thank you for joining us. Hi, thanks for having me. So, Haley, can you tell us about the article that you wrote for The Observer? Yeah, so I wrote an article called um, Vine is the Pinnacle of Human Art. I think I chose to focus on Vine because I was kind of tired of hearing people talk about um, different components of art that I felt just weren't relatable for the general public. And I kind of wanted to write about something that I felt like really gave me this sense of joy and I guess felicity that I didn't hear a lot of people really discussing or talking about that I thought had a big cultural impact. So what is it about Vine that makes it so different from other art forms? I think it's the accessibility. So I think that the special thing about Vine, um, I mean, the nature is in the name. So Vine is something that people can, people have access to because you you string it along. It's like a Vine. People from any community um, all over the world, all over the nation can can watch these videos, these six second comedy videos and automatically form like this cultural connection over it. And I thought there was something really special about that. And it's very particular to our age demographic as well, isn't it? It is really particular to our age demographic. I think there's this sense of like this crude humor that can be found in Vines. And I think that there's something, (laughs) I think our generation kind of bonds over that. I think it does have to do a little bit with dark humor for sure, but it's so obscure and it's abstract that people who aren't in our age group just don't understand it. Can you talk more about the abstractness of it and the that aspect of dark humor? I think the dark humor aspect of Vine, um, I think that when you have, for example, like I guess somebody who is older who maybe is an older millennial who doesn't quite understand Vine, I think when they hear younger people using that abstract dark humor, there's a look of disgust I often see flit across their face or confusion and when I'm standing in that moment kind of bonding with my friends over a vine quote we, we're just there's this sense of camaraderie that that older person can't relate to and I think in that sense like vine is this unique kind of like cultural connection that young people have because it makes us different and it makes our humor stand out from like the humor of older generations. Vine is sort of transformed into this larger cultural phenomenon that is kind of unprecedented. You can see it now with things like TikTok and uh, Musical.ly and sort of the evolution of Vine into these other formats. Of course, Vine itself actually shut down a couple years ago, and yet it's maintained its cultural streak. Can you help explain why that is? I think Vine has maintained its cultural streak for so many reasons. I think when a teacher or a professor is is saying something and they accidentally make a Vine reference and you and your friend, you just look across the room and you guys make eye contact and you you both have that goofy grin on your face and, you know, the older person in the room looks at you too and is like, what, what is going on? And you just see the confusion that they have. And I think that's part of what makes Vine so special. It's just because it gives us this unique understanding of, of humor and it and it really does like isolate our sense of humor in that way as well. I think that's part of what has made it persevere. There's something that is so is so funny about being just uniquely disconnected and having that feeling um, like amongst your peers. And I think I think there's something really special about that. And I think that that pure kind of just abstract element of Vine is what 
has just held it up. I think that's what makes it, that's what, that's, it just separates it from like other forms of art in the way that we, we think about vine and we kind of bond over it. What are some ways that Fordham's local vine culture sort of shows itself? I know, like, I know a lot of people who will finish saying something and they'll feel, they will obviously feel like awkward about what they've said. And I think in order to detract from that awkwardness, they'll use a vine reference or a vine quote and they, they'll say something or they will make, they'll, they'll whip or they'll, they're going to dab or they'll make a facial expression. Um, and I think they use that as kind of this, um, means of social communication. It, Vine has become a social cue in that sense, and I think there's something so special about that, and it's a, it's such a cultural thing that our generation has watched evolve over time, and I think that it's really tangible. You can you can it's just visible, and you can see it, and you can feel it, and that's what makes it so special. And I think it really just shows itself in our language and the way we have um, started to communicate with each other and to detract from awkwardness and convey kind of a different um, meaning in our words and our communication. So it's become sort of a language unto itself. Absolutely. Do you have any final thoughts on Vine, its prevalence, and how you see Fordham interacting with that culture? I have a lot of thoughts on Vine. I think Vine is was something really special and I think I think actually the concept of Vine permeates all aspects of social media. I think TikTok and Musical.ly um, and videos on YouTube all imitate Vine certainly and I think that I think Vine and the references um, people people make in everyday conversation um, often relate back to Vines and I think that it's, it means something really special for our generation and I don't really see those kinds of like cultural cues or conversational cues um, going out of style, and I often wonder if maybe we'll 40, 50, 60, 70 years still be making those references. I think we will. I think something special, that's something that will connect our generation. If you're, you know, when you're 60 or 70 years old, you're in a nursing home, and somebody says, and I oop, (laughs) I mean, what are you going to do? Like, you might look at them across the room, and you're going to think back to Vine. I think I think it definitely made a cultural impact, and I think that we'll be able to recognize it even when we're, you know, old and those cultural markers of our generation aren't so prevalent in American culture anymore. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Haley. Thank you for having me. This has been Retrospect. I'm Kevin Christopher Robles. We'll see you next time. <laughs>